Good morning. I am a little nervous this morning, but not for the normal public speaking reasons, but because I'm delving a little more into just personal makeup of of uh, things God has told me, or, or just verses and everything. So whenever I share about myself, I get nervous. Um, it's not even, you're probably going to think by the end of it that it's not even that much of a thing, but it, it's, it's whatever it is. So whoever has ears. So let's get into it. I'm also going to be working on my speaking and how I feel comfortable doing it. So I'm going to probably take some pauses here and there, make sure I'm going on the same path. So I read a book once called The Sign of the Beaver. And any time that I've mentioned this book to anybody, nobody knows what I'm talking about. But it did exist, and I did read it, and I think it it even won some kind of Newbery Award. So, I mean, some people know about it. Um, I'm not going to tell you about the book in in whole. It's really not what this is all about. But what I remember is that it's about this, this white boy who doesn't really have like a history with Native Americans, but he has some kind of relationship with the local Native American, uh, whether it's also in the 80s, the covers did not always tell you exactly what was actually in the book. So just because there is a, a young Native American boy that he's, he's friends with on the cover, I don't remember that being part of the story, but it could have been. I did not reread the book for this. I'm just going off of my memory that's kind of what's important at the moment um so but what so i knew that i recognized that that he was encountering another culture and understanding it to the best of his ability but that was not really something that i had an experience with when i was younger so even though i was aware of it and i remembered what the book said what i took away from it was just a piece of it was he always talked about these moccasins that they had and for the purpose of walking softly, walking silently, even through the woods, even with sticks and leaves on the ground, that they had this ability to to walk quietly. Now that was something that I could experience because I liked to, you know, hide in the background. And, you know, if people didn't know I was there, that was fine with me. So I was like, ooh, I take that. And so I actually kind of built that into just like who I am. So I would try to, when I'm walking places, I would try to pay attention. Like, am I wearing big clacky shoes? Like, can I curl my feet a little bit more so I can walk quieter? And uh, I got pretty good at it to the point where uh, I had one job where I was working with uh, commercial fire alarm systems. And one thing we would do was uh, test fire alarm systems. So in schools, hospitals, you know, all these larger commercial buildings. And... I'm not saying like I walk silently, but probably quieter than most people to the point where I had to actually just carry this big, huge, like janitor sized key ring to make a jangle sound because I kept finding that I would like turn corners in these largely empty buildings because we would, like schools, it would be in the off season. And uh, I kept surprising people. I kept scaring people and like, and because they didn't know I was there because I'm just walking around and to me it's just normal. But they're like, it's dead silent. And then all of a sudden there's this person there and they would freak out. So 
I would try to make some more noise, um, even to the point where now I have a pair of shoes that I wear at work when sometimes that I just can't stand because they make so much noise when I'm walking on a flat surface, but I kind of do it on purpose. Um, so that's what I brought away with it. And I'm sure nobody else that read that book really keyed into walking softly, walking quietly. Another book I read was this, Tortured for His Faith. This is not a, again, it's not a book that I reread, but this is one I read when I was younger. Um, it's The general story is it's a, a Christian missionary that was imprisoned, and I don't remember all the details, but obviously the, the larger story is that he, he went through this, this horrific thing. He was tortured. Uh, he did survive. And, but just, uh, again, it wasn't a life experience that I had. It's always good to, to key into other people's life experiences with these things to remember what's important. But again, there was still something there that I, I, I knew was there, but I couldn't quite key into it. Um, but again, one thing I, I, that was more natural for me was uh, he talked about, now, again, it was torture, but he was talking about having to learn how to sleep standing up. And, and I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting to be ready for that kind of thing. Um, basically, him and the group of people that were still surviving were brought into this room, and uh, I think it was like an officer it was his office. They were brought into there, and they would just have to stand there all day, just stand, even to the point of not blinking. Um, so not only sleeping standing up, but sleeping with their eyes open while standing up, because that was the only time that they could could sleep. Um, and so, yeah, terrible, horrible. But if anyone knows me, you know that I'm probably getting pretty close to that goal as well, because <laughs> I apparently can sleep anywhere. Um, Mostly sitting up. Standing up has not happened yet. But again, so I know that there's this overarching thing that's, that's more important, but I keyed into what I could. Another book I read, and sadly my physical Bible probably looks like this because, uh, because the, the phone electronic Bibles are so much more convenient, but one thing that always stuck with me was was this verse. James 1.19 Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, there's one part of that verse that, again, there's a lot more going on there, but there's one part that I can key into is the slow to speak. It's like, I can do that. Of all the verses that say things to do, things not to do, things to be you know, attracted to or not attracted to or whatever, like the slow to speak, I can do that. And so, yes, I know that there's more here. I know that there's, there's more to it. Um, being quick to listen, I guess is another way of saying it. And uh, another verse that's just similar, good sense makes one slow to anger and it is glory to overlook an offense. So, how I've built that into my life is being able to, or trying to be able to listen to people, um, listen to what they're, they're really saying uh, on a personal level, whether it's politics or morality or, or just they had a hard time with their McDonald's today or, you know, whatever, that, that uh, 
what are they really saying? And what I'm trying to learn now, or trying to focus on now, is the, the part where, in the previous verse, where it says, quick to hear, slow to speak. And it's like, well, okay, well, what that verse does say is we might have to be slow to speak, but we do have to speak at some point. That's the part that is not so easy for me to figure out when that time is. Um, but also, when that time comes, you know, what should I say? What is the... Oh, okay. This is not a surprise, it's just I forgot where I put it in the, the order of things. Um, so two questions when it comes to listening and speaking that I kind of focus on is, first of all, is God enough? And two, can anyone take advantage of God? Now that comes when I think when you have more in-depth conversations or when you're really trying to, to speak to someone's heart. Um, uh, I, I am online. I don't engage in a lot of deep social discussions online because the again my focus on trying to to be quick to listen is uh i would say my very first thought when i go online and see discussions is like nobody's listening like even people that i agree with like i don't even want to talk to them because they're not even listening even if you agree with them it's like they're just saying the same things that they say so that's that's me so i kind of back off of that kind of stuff um but there are times to speak uh, we are called to to stand up. We are called to fight for things. But I just want to make sure that I'm fighting for the right thing. And I hope that everybody else can do the same thing. And what that comes to with these questions is, if somebody is saying something that is antithetical to my my morality makeup that I've I've taken on, or or things that are even directly uh, directly conflicting with the Bible and what God wants. Do I need to be quick to... do? Am I just countering their words and just making sure that they know that whatever they just said is not true? Or is truth enough? Is God enough in truth? Can truth survive the Alpha and the Omega? Truth will always be there. Whether we understand it, whether we believe it, whether we say it, it will survive. That person may not always survive, but truth will survive. So am I fighting to keep truth alive? I don't think we need to do that. But I, I, if I'm going to fight, I need to keep truth alive in myself. And if I have anything to speak into, to help truth alive in that other person, that other people, the group of people, the world, whatever. So in that case, we have to find out, we have to listen. We have to know what they're saying, how they're how they're viewing things, how they're what angle they're coming at, so we know how we can speak to their heart. Um, Jesus did this a lot. I didn't. I have a lot of slides, and I didn't want to put any more in. Um, but I've mentioned this before. That I, I love when there's a story about people coming purposefully. Not even always purposefully, but there are times when the Bible says that people came purposefully to trap Jesus in a, in a morality question, in a, a theological question. And Jesus answers sideways, because he basically he's saying, I can't answer your question truthfully because your question is not built on truth. But 
here is the actual truth. You know, whether it's about the uh, the one story about you know if uh, because of Old Testament law and and everything that if a husband dies that their brother shall take the wife and, and all that, you know and then in the resurrection who's married to her and he's like that's not even that's not even how that works but here's the real truth here's the real answer and a lot of times it's that stepping back of like you know not engaging in that person's construct that's just not based on on anything real but speaking to them about what is real. And I assume from those stories that not every person that he responded to got it at that moment. And that's just the way it is sometimes. But we also can assume that just because the other person didn't get it, that, well, they're just hard-hearted. You know, we just have to be quick to listen, slow to speak. Um, let's see if we can now these, this text is tinier because it was not as much of a focus but I wanted to kind of go through this whole story real quick uh, in the meantime when an innumerable people, multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another he began to say to his disciples first of all beware of the leaven of the Pharisees which is hypocrisy um, today I wouldn't worry about that. This is just part of the story. I didn't do any uh, research on that part of it. Um, But I do think it's funny, in a way of thinking about it funny in my head, of like there's all these people, there's a crowd, um, kind of think of like a concert where the crowd is getting crazy, the mosh pit is already activated, and people are punching each other in the face, and then Jesus just backstage saying, hey guys, uh, yeah, I just want to tell you about the leaven of the Pharisees, it's hypocrisy, and they're like, can we go out and play now, or, or you know, um, but that's, uh, but then he just keeps going, it doesn't really say when he actually addresses the crowd, but, uh, but he does go on and said, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear and inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Um, those kinds of verses, and there's others like it, have always made me nervous because I, you know, I like to walk quietly. I like to see if I can sleep standing up without you know people noticing. And uh, so the things that I've said are going to be said are going to be heard. Um, that makes me kind of nervous, uh, good and bad. Um, but again, today we're going to be looking at like the overview. You know, what is, not what is this verse saying, but what are these verses together kind of saying. Um, but one thing is keeping in mind is just that the, there is one aspect of truth that is, you know, a dividing line. It, it divides. When truth comes in, it separates what is actual truth and, and kind of burns off the chaff of what isn't truth. And so moving on, verse 4, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Again, just reminding us that God is the end all and and we are able to be killed that man does have that capacity to physically kill us but also just the capacity to get to that place of of killing other people and that's just I mean a lot of the people in the Bible the good people were killed Um, and God is not disconnected from reality 
You, yes, this can happen, but there's more to it. There's more beyond. Number six, verse six. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So just remember, birds, us. That's pretty cool. Um, but just God's just letting us know that, that we are valued. That yes, you can be killed, but I do care. Things are going to happen. Sometimes we can stop it, sometimes we can't. But there's more to it, but even then, you are valued. Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him, the Son of Man, will also confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Um, not a huge focus on these verses except to just say, now he's talking about, you know, in a sense, he's, he's got our back. And that's going to become a theme with some of these verses is just that, that God's there. That he values us even when things... Bad things happen. Um, you know, we have a chance. We have a say in this, obviously. That's what these verses are saying. Um, we can deny him, or we can, we can uh, confess God before men. And he's got our back. Now when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. I like these verses. Um, these verses are not saying that we can't come up with, you know, figure out what we believe and, and uh, apologetics and stuff and uh, ways of explaining why we believe what we believe and how it can make sense to people. But that's not always what's called for in the moment. Um, it's good to have that stuff um, if you need to fall back on it or if God is saying, yeah, say that. Um, but we... Again, that quick to listen, slow to speak thing is maybe God is saying, okay, that's, that's all. You have all of this information, and that is all great, but in, right now, I want you to say this. And then verse 13, then one of the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So that's where we end with the story, because this guy wasn't listening, and so we're going to move on from that guy. A couple of verses, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Again, talking about the, the, the dividing line of truth, the, the cleansing of truth. That we, especially before we are saved, we are, you know, born of this world, and there can be filters, there can be things. I mean, even when we're, we're saved... The Bible talks about working out your salvation and stuff. That there's whether it's just uh, mental avenues that you have to recreate, um, just you know, ungodly thoughts or just ungodly beliefs or just getting over all of that stuff. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. It can it can cast off all of that stuff. Um, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Just talking about God's provision. He's there for us. If we ask for it, he is able to give it to us. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. 
Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Again, more provision, more, you know, again, birds, us. Uh, God is, is there for us. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Let's just stay there for the second. Um, I'm trying not to keep this, I'm trying to keep this from going all over the place. But all of those verses are just an overview of that God provides for us and he's there for us. He values us to the point where when it comes to our interaction with people in the world is backing off of fear responses that when somebody says something that is not godly, when they, you know, they have a belief and they're attacking us with their, their belief or something that we don't need to respond in, in fear that, that they are going to damage truth because um, truth is everlasting but we need to speak truth in that moment but we need to speak it not out of fear but out of what God wants us to say um Yeah, let's move on. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to them the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Just a lot of extreme verses. That I'm again. I'm not focusing on exactly what the verse is saying, and and this isn't a five-step process of how we're going to leave these these doors and and function in the world. Um, but just focusing on the again that God is expecting some kind of commitment to selflessness, and just again with our interactions with with people that whatever they say, whatever they believe, whatever they do, can't destroy truth. It can't destroy the truth that's in us, and there's no threat. That's where I think a lot of fear comes from, is there's a threat. There's no threat to truth in the long run. I understand that that in the moment, you know, someone can live a terrible life because they have no truth, because bad things can happen to them because they have no truth. Um, and that's what we want to work on. But, but truth itself is stable. Truth itself can't be killed. And as long as we come into our interactions with that in mind, then we can, I think we can approach it rightly. We can say what we need to say, say what God wants us to say. And I'm looking at my notes, but honestly, at the moment, I've forgotten where I actually am here. Um, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Similar to the last verses we just looked at, um, Tabitha and I worked with the youth in this church for, for a good amount of years back in the day. And... One of the exercises that we came up with is kind of one of my favorite ones, probably because, you know, God gave it to me. Um, 
was just talking about this kind of things and pray for those who abuse you. And working with youth, teenagers in school, one of the exercises was just, you know, if you, if you have a bully in your life, or just think of somebody who you just can't stand. Someone who's just, when you're around, whether they're just annoying, a little brother, or whatever, just, just someone you, you don't want to be around. And just challenge them to pray for that person for like the next week, you know, until we had youth group again. And, and there were teenagers, so there were some of them that were just outright, I'm not going to do that. I was like, all right. And probably nothing's going to change there. Okay. Um, and some people did do it. And, and it was interesting that the ones that did do it, the whole purpose wasn't to change the other person by praying for them. That'd be great. That's awesome. But, but to change our mind about who that person is by talking to God about them. And again, getting to the being quick to listen. That there's this, this person that is obviously not lining up with us. And, but what does God say about that person? And uh, we had some success stories of people that just, you know, if nothing else, they saw that person in a different light. And that is, that is success. That is a good step one. And if it just stays at step one, at least they learned how they can change. And I don't believe that changing the other person will really happen until that first step is done. It can. I mean, God can do all kinds of things. But for our sake, for our responsibility, that's a good place to start. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Again, God is there for us. Um, let's. I didn't double it. There we go. Going back to these questions. Is God enough? And we can be honest with ourselves. There might be times when we think, oh, you know, it, whether it's subconscious or whatever, like God isn't enough. You know, I need more. And once we realize those, then we can go, oh, Okay. I want to believe that God is enough. How do I do that? God, show me. Be here for me. And then two, can anyone take advantage of God? Just the, the, the threat to truth. Can anyone, in this case, taking advantage, of, not like in a good way, but you know, taking, taking God beyond where he can go. It's like, no, nobody can do that. Nobody can, can take who God is, take his truth, and pervert it in a way that is going to sustain. And pervert it in a way that is going to outlive God and, and change truth. We can't change the truth, but we can, we can be there for it. And we can be there for other people with the truth. So, I know that there are times when we are supposed to say things. There are times when we are supposed to speak up. Jesus even told them, you know, his disciples, the apostles, and everything, that there would be times to fight. Um, I don't have those five steps of what that looks like. I'm still learning that kind of stuff. Um, and fighting can look different. So... That is not my strong suit. My strong suit is the, the quietness in the listening. Uh, so hopefully, if anyone needs to hear that, then, then I hope you're quick to listen. Um, 
But for myself, I always want to figure out where the first step is in in life, and even God pushes me beyond that first step, but I like to stay at that first step and make sure I got that right before I move on to step two. It doesn't always work out for me. Like I said, God pushes me beyond that, and that's good. Um, But we need to be quick to listen. I'm trying to think if I have any real examples, like personal examples of that. And I'm sure I have. I've, uh, I've, I've been in situations that have been awkward for me when people wanted to talk to me. Um, one time on a, a job site, construction job site, there was somebody who was having some just personal, personal family issues, and I'm not a counselor. I'm not a trained counselor, or I don't know, you know all the things I need to do. Um, but he was just talking to me, and and uh, you know, in the end, he was very thankful to talk to me. And, and so, we have on a, a commercial construction job site is a guy that's that's crying, and that doesn't happen every day. And and uh, I'm not going to get into the specifics of what that was, but it was interesting to be there in that moment. Um, to have anything to say, really, because I'm not in his situation. Um, but just sometimes it's just a single nugget, you know, to just say to somebody. And that's why I, I like t- taking it kind of out of this context and talking about something I talked about before, um, dreams. That's why I, I like I like the interpretation of dreams. I'm not even going to say that I like interpreting dreams, but I like hearing people's dreams and and if God gives me any nugget to to give them, um, that is a a wonderful connection that that oftentimes I don't even have part. It's like it's just a a pathway to make connection to them. And you, sometimes you're always like, "Oh, what did I just do? What did I say?" Because it's like they they are reacting in a very positive but very strong way sometimes, very emotional way, and and uh, that's that's very cool. Um, yeah, so I'm going to end the sermon with by saying that's very cool. I don't know if that's <laughs> I don't know if that's very cool, but um, so that's that's where I'm at with interactions with with people when it comes to discussions and, and of truth and people's lives and uh, politics. That's yeah, I, there's so many conversations about politics I don't have because I. I have a hard time with everyone. They've got everything lined up. They've got all their things that they have to say, and everybody is just saying them at each other, and nobody's listening. That's not always how it is. That's how I perceive it sometimes. But, um, but if we if we have a moment, if we can just take one step back, you know, maybe there's something else that we can do to you know step back and reposition. Maybe there's something else we can do that will actually reach that person. Even if they're not listening, uh, truth has a way of, of making people listen. Um, you know, the Bible says that there will be people that just don't listen. People that, that, don't, uh, that, that don't choose him. And that's the reality. Um, I guess real quick, the characteristic of truth... I think this is true in my life. Um, 
And I've kind of mentioned it before, but a true encounter, a raw encounter of God could not be the most fun you have in your life. I know we want to think of God as is all good, so an encounter would be all good, but full truth is not always feeling nice. It doesn't always feel good. Um, words of correction and stuff like that. like they, they might not feel the best, even in ourselves, and when we're giving them to other people. That whole interaction might be awkward. Um, but most of that pain, most of, most of the hurt that can come from actual truth is how much are we hanging on to that untruth. Because um, there is the new man, there is the old man. And whether the old man is, we can have a debate whether the old man is still alive in us when we're saved, but I think the old man is at least still around. And how much are we hanging on to that old man? How much are we, we making our old lives, the old truths, still part of our lives? And when truth hits that, it's going to hurt because that's, that's going to hell. But if we're hanging on to it, it's going to hurt because we can't separate from that. If we live lives of truth, those things won't hurt as much because we'll be able to let it go away, let it separate from who we are and who we believe we are. Just a little, little added thing there. So that's cool. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for everything that you are. We thank you that you are the Alpha and the Omega. We know there are things going on in this world that are boggling, that are too much. It's not too much for you. There are threats to people. There are threats to our lives, to our brothers' lives, brothers and sisters across the world, maybe even right here. But with you, there is no true threat. We thank you for that. We thank you for all that you are. Thank you for being our anchor, our focus. And really our only lifeline. We pray that you show us how to listen when you open our ears. We pray that you show us when to speak, how to speak. That in the, the off times, that you show us your word when we study, when we meditate, when we pray. But that most of that would just be in preparation for the moment, in preparation for the, the surprising moments we don't know we're going to have. That we're just practicing to listen to your voice. I just pray that it's your breath in our lungs. And when we breathe out, it brings life. We thank you for the day that we have and the days that we may have ahead, the days that we will have ahead. And we 
we pray, if nothing else, that we can make this world a little bit better. That we can love people as you love them. And if nothing else, give everyone the moment they deserve to make the choice. In Jesus' name, amen.